coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. Okay, so that's one is that it's worth it. And it and mm-hmm. and if I'm telling you, you don't have to be re-traumatized to go through the healing process. I'm telling you it's true because I've been through it. I've been terrified of what was in the inside of me, but you need to go to someone who understands how to treat trauma and do it in a titrated way and a multimodal way where they're using a lot of different modalities because it's not one size fits all. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford, and I am over the moon excited to be with a dear friend and fellow psychologist, Dr. Barbara Lowe. She is a North Carolina girl and the most multitasked, fully, oh my gosh, over overwhelmingly busy person I've met, and she knows all the things and all the people, and it is such a joy to glean from her, and you guys buckle your seatbelt because she is fantastic, and today she's going to be talking about the body and soul connection. So many times we have this very fragmented lack of awareness of the cohesion of how we're operating, and she wants to give us wisdom on what's called somatic therapy and helping us make those connections. So thank you, Dr. Barbara, for being our guest today. I'm thrilled. And I love your podcast, Dr. Crawford. I love that you're unlocking you and you just talked about how much I'm doing, uh, but, and do, but the Lord is really calling me to just stay squarely in my lane, which is healing trauma, equipping the body of Christ to heal trauma and getting healing the trauma sick. And so I love that you are focused on unlocking you. And it's such an honor to be here today with all these beautiful people. people. (laughs) Well, we are honored and overjoyed. Uh, So what would you give as a basic description? If somebody's never heard of somatic therapy, what would you describe? Describe to them that that is somatic therapies uh, in our bottom, what we call bottom up therapies, where we actually look at the nervous system and what the nervous system is doing. Mm-hmm. And we, I'm going to use some of your language. We get cohesion. We also receive discharge. We receive integration from a bottom up perspective. Often we are trying to go about uh, why did this happen and meaning making. And there are theory uh, therapies, logos therapy, and other therapies uh, uh, it, that look at making meaning. There are therapies that look at reframing our thoughts and that's a top down approach, but I live 10 minutes from Duke university and 10 minutes from, or I practice psychology in my clinical practice, 10 minutes from Duke psychology, 10 minutes from UNC. These people have thought about these things. They're coming (laughs) in with meaning making, Uh, but uh, when we integrate uh, body with the soul and we take time and we slow it down and we look at what has not been processed in the body. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Then we can actually get some relief. Yes, absolutely. So for many of us, we think of our body as, oh, I'll just take an aspirin. And then we think of our thoughts, like I just need to whack them, mold them down some more. How would you help somebody who maybe has some anxiety symptoms and their body has that 
flushing and their heart rate goes up and they don't understand it. But then they also have these thoughts over here and how those actually may be more connected than they think. So let, let me start with something theoretical and then let you build some questions on that, if, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so when we think about our thinking uh, and we think that these, these are, first of all, our thoughts wouldn't be a problem if it weren't our emotions and our nervous system. If I was thinking, oh, I'm afraid to public speak, but I wasn't feeling the feeling, I'd be like, no. I can be not afraid to public speak. I am, I am fine with public speaking, that kind of robotic. And so taking our thoughts captive or reframing our thoughts, changing our thoughts, being more optimistic can help to a certain degree with anxiety. But sometimes anxiety is actually not coming from our thoughts, but our thoughts are responding to our amygdala and our HPA access and these things that are kind of going off uh, sometimes when and, and this is particularly when either we've developed a real habit of anxiety because neurons that fire together, wire together. Or uh, what I'd love to work with is when they're underneath unmet needs from childhood, uh, which we would, which is a version of trauma or shock traumas, uh, mild to uh, significant. These things can create an, in our implicit memory, a sense of anxiety and our thoughts want to make sense of it. And so our, our thought is like, oh, I must be afraid of this. And then, the, you know, that can be compounded because fear is very adversive. And then we can, uh, sometimes it can, develop into phobias and different things like that. And so uh, that's so that's how we're looking at anxiety from a somatic experiencing practitioner uh, point of view. And we want to teach our nervous system, train our nervous system, give our nervous system experiences where we can do what's called or live in a way that's called staying in the window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Peter Levine, Pat Ogden, and Dan Siegel and others. Uh, and so we want to uh, learn to keep our nervous system in a place where, yeah, it might bump up with sympathetic nervous system charge, uh, and then it might go down with parasympathetic nervous system breaks, but we're not bumping up to the point of rage, mania, uh, extremely hyper, I like that red zone out of control and anxiety where we're out of the zone of what is tolerable. Mm -hmm. When we get up too high, then the brakes come on. This is why some people with anxiety uh, over a long period of time end up with depression or like what feels like depression and a, a, a numbness is because we have this hundred mile an hour sympathetic nervous system going on. And then the brakes come on our dumb vagus nerve or our um, ventral vagal system. I won't go into polyvagal theory right now, but the part of our vagus nerve puts on brakes mm -hmm. and then we can go down into what's like a freeze or a numbness or a dissociation. Yeah. And so this is where we're at. And with all that going on, uh, changing our thinking can help somewhat with anxiety, but there are other tools that we can use uh, we can't ever directly affect our feelings. Mm -hmm. Remember, the enemy doesn't just work on our thoughts, but our feelings. Absolutely. It's always about the feeling mm -hmm. because Absolutely. the feeling is what gives us those urges. So we can work on our physiology. We can work on our behaviors. We can work on our thoughts and get indirectly to those feelings. And somatically, we work with the body a lot. Okay.
so I said a lot. I'm gonna see where what where you want to go from there because I know I still didn't answer your first question. Oh, that's okay. I was tracking, but I'm also going. Oh my gosh, I think you said so many theories in one breath that I am wondering how our audience is tracking. So I would just want to recap some of the high points. So you're talking about this window of tolerance. And if in real life, if somebody were walking that out in a day to day, could you give us some examples of how they would know if they're kind of going up to the up top or the bottom part of that range? Yeah. It's really what feels manageable. So when we talk about triggers or because I have dyslexia and sometimes have occasionally uh, put on social media turgers, so I love to call them turgers. <laughs> so you have a turger. Uh, let me give an example from my own life. Uh, I rather than sharing about my client stories, I have plenty of trauma I am healing from. And so <laughs> I will share from my own story. Uh, so when I was a brand new uh, early Christian, I must've been 19 or 20 years old. I was living with a roommate. I had just become a Christian at 19. Mm -hmm. I, I drove up not even like dangling from the struggle bus. Like it was, I, I didn't know how to people. I was trying to give up alcohol and drugs and eating disorders and all those things that go along with that party lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, was just kind of really, really struggling in my nervous system because I, I, I didn't have my coping mechanisms and I was learning the rhythms of the Lord. Anyway, I walked out of, I was still not very self-aware, but I was trying, I was growing. And I walked out of my bedroom and saw my roommate and her boyfriend and their child. He didn't live with us, but you know, they were, they were decorating for Christmas and they didn't ask me or invite me. Now that's not a big deal because it's act was actually her apartment that I was subletting from, but I had this major reaction to that. I sobbed, I cried, I got mad. And it took me a long time with a mentor to get down to, I felt left out and it was a trigger from my childhood. And so, uh, and, and what I really had to do with that, that at that time, I didn't know that much about somatic, but I had to feel it, grieve it, be with it, allow space for it. And even let the, sh I, I was shaking, even let that shaking kind of discharge out and integrate in and process in my body and in my soul. Yeah. When there's theories like mind over mood, mm -hmm. where there's almost a pejorative sense that if we just understand it, if we just know more and we think better and we have different thoughts that somehow that should control and suppress and manage their bodies as a clinical psychologist and a human, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would love for us to look at nature and see all the things that animals go through in nature without having PTSD. And why is that? Why aren't, why don't animals have PTSD after other beings around them are trying to murder them? That seems like a perfect setup for PTSD, but animals don't have that higher cortex and those defense mechanisms that, that work to suppress. And those can be really good. You know, when a child is being molested, that dissociation is so helpful, yeah. but until we discharge it and, and integrate it in, it's kind of like dismembered, a dismembered part of us. Yeah. And uh, with somatic experiencing, we don't need to be re-traumatized. We do have to feel it to heal it, but we, we don't, we don't do it. We don't re-traumatize. We titrate it. And I'm very slow in my process of titration. Slow is actually fast. You can get people for through 
trauma healing slow. Um, if you, if you go slower and titrate, it goes faster. But when you look at animals in the wild, after they've been through a trauma, what they'll do is they'll kind of reenact it. You'll see them shake. You'll see them, you know, yawn. You'll see them do all these things that is discharging that sympathetic nervous system charge out. Yeah. And so they're, they're being with it. They don't have that mental block, like just keep swimming, just keep swimming. They don't have that yeah. and, and, and they don't have PTSD. So we do need to take the time to feel and process the feelings of our lives and kind of let it come out like that shock where you see people shake. And, and if we allow that with a, within the context of attachment, because relationship is the human habitat. So we need a safe other to do that with. Then we're not accumulating all this muck and mire in the soul and in the body that we're carrying along with us that keeps popping up like whack-a-mole. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think you used a few words that I just want to highlight. So titrate, can you explain to them what titrate means? Yeah. So titrate in the medical world means slow down dose. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I do when we're doing time reversing trauma, and by the way, we don't time reversing trauma. We don't get to time reversing trauma until we've gone through a whole bunch of stability and safety skills Mm -hmm. and working to stay in that window of tolerance. But with time reversing trauma, my trauma in the hearts returning home method, I have I use somatic experiencing some other things to work on time reversing trauma. We use some uh, parts work, which you can ask me a question about in a minute if you want. And then we also, we use a lot of different things, but we also use somatic experiencing and titrating. So let me explain mm-hmm. how we do it. And that might help you understand titrating mm-hmm. as far as uh, working in a course environment. Mm-hmm. So you take a slice of a tri- trauma at a time and you never start at ground zero, which is the worst, hardest part of the trauma. You start T minus five, trauma minus five. So when you start at before it happened and you didn't know anything was wrong, going to happen. And then, t- and then you end at when you knew everything was okay or mostly okay. That sense of, <gasps> you see your dad or you see your boyfriend coming into the car accident and suddenly there's that relief of it's over. And then you process a little slice at at a time. And we use different skills to process. We look at uh, pieces in the nervous system that were stopped. Like, did you have time to orient? We have all kinds of body-based processes. Like we have orient, we have defensive orientation. You know, when you, you have fight, you have flight, you, you want to push away, you want to. And so we integrate in also uh, in every piece of the trauma, like I give them a, a pretend remote control. And so we can stop it at any time and bring in any resource that we want. And uh, we're not talking about encounters with the Lord, but a huge mechanism I use in change uh, for change and healing is encounters with the Lord. So I love bringing in encounters with the Lord in all these little teeny slices, working in from T minus five and T plus five and um, using resources in those little slices. It's like we're in, like we're, we're slowing it down. And then by the time you get to ground zero, T minus zero, the heart of trauma It doesn't feel like the heart because you've already built the skills and the discharge. And as you would say, the cohesion Mm -hmm. at the other slices. That's so good. 
That's so good. And so if somebody's hearing this and they're maybe even getting a little triggered or feeling like, whoa, this is hitting home, what are practical things people can be doing? Obviously, Hearts Returning Home is your program. Um, so we definitely want to direct people to that. And I'll have my assistant put the links to make sure people know how to connect with you. DrBarbaraLow.com is it? Um, yeah, well, it would actually be heartsreturninghome.com and you can, okay. it, uh, it only opens up a couple times a year so you can get on the wait list if it's not open. Okay. But the, the first stage of the healing process is safety and stability in hearts returning home and in any good trauma healing mechanism. We never go straight for the root, but we want to, there's something about us. We either want to deny it completely or go right for the root. Right. And, and, and often we can end up re-traumatizing ourselves if we're trying to go for the root, or even if we're doing ministry and we're like, let's just go for the root. Uh, unless the Lord leads you, do not. Mm -hmm. If the Lord leads you, obey the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's so we start out we start out with safety and stability and I can take people through a couple yes. in my course, I teach 109 safety and stability skills. And then we have coaching as well. So we coach people in how to do those skills, but I can take people through a couple yes, safety please. and stability okay. skills if you mm -hmm. want. Absolutely. Okay. So let's see, let's do, so we, I, we do stability in the mind, stability in the emotions, stability in the re in relationships, stability in the body, stability in the spirit and stability in behaviors. So let's do, let's do one from mind. All right. We'll do one from the mind category. So this is, and for those of you who are, uh, you know, kind of geeky, this is probably more from uh, positive psychology. And it's also from Philippians four, eight whatever's true, whatever's lovely, think on these things. And so we're going to use the Bible says, submit all your organs, all your faculties unto him. So we're going to submit our imagination unto him in this. This is a skill that I've trademarked called mind mansion. And in mind mansion, we, we understand our mind to be a giant, humongous mansion. And it has billions of rooms. And it does have some, probably some basement rooms that we haven't finished yet. And that are a little spidery. And these are the rooms we end up spending time in. And we're like, why am I in here? Yeah. But in this mind mansion, which is your brain, you have, you, you, every room has doors on every wall, ceiling floor. Not only that, you can teleport anywhere you want in the mind mansion. So I want everyone to think about where you're at in your mind mansion and where you've been spending time and where do you want to be? Like I minored in, in French. I love all things French. Mm -hmm. I want to spend some time in some Parisian rooms, right? <laughs> where do you want to go? Because you can go anywhere. You can go to your favorite movie. You can go to your favorite memories. You can go to your favorite place with your grandparents when you were little. And we want to build this capacity to go to all these places to take the edge off so that we can stay more in that window of tolerance. So when I feel myself bumping up, I can go there. Now let's bump it up to an encounter with the Lord. Because my mechanism that throughout parts returning home and everything I do is faith, fire, and psychology. Mm -hmm. Faith is that faith in Jesus where it's clean psychology, not dirty psychology. We go through the cross of Christ. We die to self to live. We're not looking to the self for answers. Mm -hmm. But when we do that, we can use psychology because there's real science that can help there and fire. That's the encounter with the Lord. So let's now go into fire, that encounter with the Lord. So now we're in our mind mansion. 
But, you know, we're seated in heavenly places and Jesus is here with us. The kingdom is here with us. So heaven is here and we are also in heaven. So let's use our imagination submitted unto the Lord and let's imagine we're actually going to go into a heavenly place in our mind mansion. So we let's, where do you want to go? Just being with the Lord in your mind mansion, you can go into heavenly places with him. Now in session or in my course, old, we would take more time with that. And you know what happens? God shows up. People have encounters with the Lord. And what is the number one way the Lord healed? Encounter. Mm-hmm. Jesus healed all mental health through encounter, whether it would be an encounter that is deliverance, an encounter with his love, an encounter with power that went out from him and virtue that went out from him. So this is the highest mechanism of healing. But uh, sometimes we don't always receive instant healing. And that's why, you know, psychology is kind of our back tool. <laughs> all right. You want me to do one more? Yes. Oh, my okay. goodness. So we'll do one that is from, uh, we'll do one that's from emotions and this one, I'm going to give credit to Diane Poole Heller. This is from her work and I love her work. She has a lot of work with attachment. She's a secular therapist, but I'm going to bring it into kingdom. We're going to do a fire. We're going to do a psychology encounter and a fire encounter. This one is called kind eyes. Mm -hmm. And why this one is important is because we've, we've, let me teach just for a minute. Is that okay? Sure. We've had a lot of trauma that has come through eyes and here's how, first of all, the traumas we see come in through our five senses, including our eyes. But secondly, the traumas that are most painful are, uh, when that are usually, usually relational ones. And when relational traumas are happening, often there's like anger or hatred that's coming in through the eyes, Mm -hmm. especially if you've had your, your parents were abusive or or someone you loved, you just see that their eye, that that coldness. And so eye contact is so important. It is so important for us to feel safe, but at the same time, it it has been a place where we've, many of us have been wounded. Mm -hmm. This is why I think sometimes even, uh, we, like, we, we are funny about eye contact. Sometimes even like for people who lead worship and stuff, sometimes I teach them this, they like to close their eyes because it's too intimate to be with the Lord and with others in that intimate space, you know, so it's very powerful eye contact. So we're going to do a meditation called kind eyes, where we're going to use, uh, for those of you who like to geek out on stuff like me, we're going to use our ventral vagal, the smart vagal nerve, which uses social engagement to self-soothe and to calm. Mm -hmm. But because relationships sometimes are scary, we're gonna do it in a safe way that we have total control over. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna use our faculty of our imagination with the Lord. We're gonna submit it to the Lord. We're gonna, whatever is is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. So we're gonna think about a pair of kind eyes. Mm -hmm. And those kind eyes could be someone who was kind to you today, It could be your grandma or it could be your pet, because if you can't find a safe person, chances are you've had a safe dog. (laughs) And so just think about those kind eyes looking at you. And and immediately I'm thinking about, I'm I'm thinking about my 
my deceased dog, but, uh, and, and if, if it's coupled with, uh, if it's coupled with, uh, with a grief, what you can do is, is, is imagine the grief as something here beside you, um, even in the room, this is called uncoupling. This skill comes from Peter Levine. So you can put it over there. So we know it's there. We're going to let the grief sit there so we can be with the goodness of this memory. So be with those kind eyes. And, and we're not suppressing the grief, by the way, because people have asked me that. No, we're just building resources mm -hmm. because you need resources before you can work on the grief and other things like that. Yeah. So we're just going to be with those kind eyes. And we just feel our nervous system downshifting. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to bring this into a heavenly encounter. I recently podcasted with uh, Anna Werner, a seer, and she cannot stop talking about the eyes of Jesus. She's like, if, and she loves that I love eyes because of, you know, the trauma, we geek out on this together. But she's like, if you could only see the eyes of Jesus and how much they love you. I'm sorry for audio, but I'm getting choked up. So we're going to allow Jesus, his kind eyes to look at us. And we're going to turn this into a fire encounter now. Jesus, we just look into your kind eyes. And if you have a hard time with Jesus, the son, the son of God, you could do the father or the Holy Spirit. Don't feel guilty. We all feel, especially when we've had traumas, we can feel more comfortable with one of the Godheads, one of the three Godheads. So um, we all know they're three in one, but sometimes we have a father issue or a brother issue or a sibling issue or a mother issue that can cause us to have an issue with one of the Godheads. God will heal that. But right now we're working on kindness and kind eyes and feeling that. So let's be with the kind eyes of Jesus or father or Holy Spirit. Or even an angel of God that he is sending to be with you, not to worship, but to, you know, be a co-heir or a co, uh, not a co-heir, but a co-servant uh, of the gospel. So we can just be with those kind eyes looking at us. And so I really want to encourage everyone. Those are two tools I've given you uh, as uh, freebies uh, to, uh, to work on that safety, that stability. Uh, and if you want some help with trauma, you can also go to drbarbaralow.com forward slash rejection. I'm sorry, the, the trauma of rejection. If you want some help with rejection, you can go to drbarbaralow.com forward slash rejection. And I have a few tools in there and a really quick freebie ebook, if you like. I love it. That's so good. So for somebody who maybe has tried to disassociate out of their body on purpose, what would you say is motivation to do the work? Um, obviously we can't solve all the things on a podcast. I just feel like so many questions are probably being asked that people are going, wait, how do I do that? She said a lot of big words. I don't understand everything she just said. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. How can you motivate somebody to say, Hey, yeah. somatic work and somatic therapy, um, mm -hmm it's not going to be as terrible as you think it's going to be to actually yeah. step back inside of your body. And then the end and the fruit is really worth it. Well, so let's see, I think I'm going to answer that with my testimony uh, in part, and I'm happy for a, a question off that as well. Uh -huh. But when we look at childhood trauma, there's this, a longitudinal study or a long-term study that's called ACEs, uh, adverse childhood events, I believe it is, or, experiences. 
and they list 10 of them that have all these negative outcomes mm -hmm. in your finances, in your career, in your, uh, in your emotions, in your, uh, how high you get in school, in your health, higher diabetes, higher cancer, all these different things. Well, I had nine of the 10 of those happen to me growing up. Oh. I should not, I was, I was homeless for part of my teenage years because my parents didn't want me. My dad threatened my life. Uh, my mom used to tell me she hated me. So I, my dad died by suicide. I've had a child die. So I should not be spending every single day of my life helping people heal. I should not feel this happy. I should not have a successful marriage. Yes, we fight. We had a fight this morning, but they're <laughs> normal fights, right? Yeah. I, sh I shouldn't be living this life. Wow. I should not be living this life. Okay. So that's one is that it's worth it. And it, and, mm -hmm. and if I'm telling you, you don't have to be re-traumatized to go through the healing process. I'm telling you it's true because I've been through it. I've been terrified of what was in the inside of me, but you need to go to someone who understands how to treat trauma and do it in a titrated way and a multimodal way where they're using a lot of different modalities. Cause it's not one size fits all. Absolutely. Secondly, so, I would love there's a difference in therapists. I think you're saying, yes, there's a big difference. And I think a lot of people don't know that. Please do not have someone treat you with CBT for, for trauma. Um, for a child, trauma-focused CBT is fine. Um, cognitive processing therapy is still a, a, a and trauma-focused CBT are still mostly top-down, but they are very evidence-based. Uh, but I do love if you can find someone that mixes faith and encounters with the somatic work or parts work, that would be really great. I would love to say one more thing for motivation, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've been talking a lot and I love the way you're clarifying. Language. That's why you're here. I'm just listening on behalf of an audience because I'm tracking with everything you're saying, but I'm like, I wonder if people are going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> That's good. That's what a good podcaster does. That's so good. Okay. So the other piece is that I would love for you to look at your life and look at where you feel numb. Look at where you feel like you're trying to escape a lot. Look at where you're getting into a lot of fights with people, arguments, fights with yourself. Uh, I would also love uh, for you to look at where fights with yourself are turning into depression. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to look at where you're stuck in really powerfully destructive relationships where you're trying to fix others. Because if you have unhealed trauma, you're in a lot of one of the four trauma responses, one of the four Fs, which is fight, flight. Uh, uh, freeze and fix, fight, flight, freeze and fix. And so I would love for you to look at that and how painful those things are in your life mm -hmm. uh, and use that as motivation. I'd also love for you to look at the impact you could have on others by getting your gift working without those fight, flight, freeze and fix. Yeah, you know, so uh, Dr. Crawford is trying to uh, get, you know, unlock you, but <laughs> What's going to come out when we unlock you? Yes. <laughs> not I know that I'm with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Um, you can, if you want a slow, a slow, uh, a slow lane in, you can join uh, Bible studies with me on Friday. And we have some prayer groups too, that are led by our coaches. And you can go to uh, com forward slash tribe, where I do faith, fire and psychology, Bible studies every most Fridays. That's fantastic. 
So it's worth it. Doing the work is worth it. There is a bandwidth that we want to stay in to not go way too high and back into that like yelling, angry, irritable, I can't function mode um, or overspending or oversexing or whatever people do on the top range. But we also don't want to get too lethargic that we're not getting out of bed or bathing our kids or just doing normal everyday stuff. And some things that we can do in the middle, it sounds like Dr. Barbara and other somatic therapists and psychodynamic therapists can help you live in that nice sweet spot. And then you can titrate those trauma memories. For a lot of people I work with, they're like, my life is good. I'm okay. Like, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to start dredging up the past. It's over. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to go there. The hard thing is there's only one soul. So there's mm -hmm. always that feedback loop, that resonance on the inside of anger and sadness and pain that's still stuck inside of your soul. So that's why I want to bring experts in the field like Dr. Barbara that can help motivate us and equip us that we can't fix it during the podcast, but we can give you some practical tools and then help direct you to hopefully finding the right therapist in your area that you don't have to live this every day. And I think one of the most rewarding uh, things that I got recently is a woman who had old trauma and was in a depressive state that it was pretty catatonic and very, very painful for her. And then she sent me her book that after therapy, she started reemerging into creative side. So unlocking the creativity and the playfulness and uh, wrote a book and it's illustrated and it's beautiful and very professional. And she sent me a copy signed to just say, hey, that journey was really scary and overwhelming. But if you do it with the right therapist, there's a leaning in that isn't scary, that there's a warmth and a human connection. And so I want to motivate people who maybe you've kind of lived with some stuff and you keep whack-a-moling it back down. But therapy really is a gift if you're right the right therapist and if you're motivated. You know, I always talk to people about their defense mechanisms that you'll find something wrong with every therapist because your defenses are going, I don't want to go there. And ironically, your defense mechanisms are actually not against the other person. It's against you going to your own places of pain. But That's if you'll I mean. do that and you'll unlock and you'll open up those places of pain that are stored in your physical body, your brain is no longer resonating with depression, anxiety, fear, rejection, panic, whatever might be inside. And now your body gets reset. Your central nervous system is now wired and operating based on a sense of homeostasis, which just means balance. That's that feeling when you're driving in a car and you're like putting your hand out the window and you're like, it is well with my soul. Like everything is super peaceful right now. In that moment, that's what you're supposed to live like. But for me included, all of us have life junk that has affected that central nervous response. And so it causes a hypervigilance or a deadening, kind of that depressive. And both of those ranges are not helpful ways to live. And just because you have been able to get through on the crutches of your coping mechanisms up to now, I think Dr. Barbara has given us so much hope and encouragement that we can get through that. We can work through it. It is a process. It's not a one and done session, but it is a journey that's so beautiful. And then you get to start unlocking your power and your influence, your authority, your creativity, and your ability to love others well through their trauma and junk and trauma and whatever they might going through. So thank you, Dr. Barbara, for your time today. This has been such a gift. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Unlock You. See you next time.
Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Unlock You. It is our dream to invest in you. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting more of the bonus material, the content, and to know about future events. Head to the website, drshannoncrawford.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll be the first to know what we're rolling out. And we want you to truly get unlocked so that you can thrive, not only for yourself, but also for the great calling on your life. Let's link arms and do it together. See you in the next episode.